Spinen. I'd like to welcome you back. And uh, as Pastor Dave mentioned, we are going to be uh, looking at Psalm 119 uh, this evening. So Pastor Reed is going through the book of Psalms, or at least some of the Psalms in the evening. Um, and as I get the opportunity to preach, it worked out well. I had chosen to do uh, Psalm 119 uh, or Psalm 119 uh, as I get the opportunity to just fill in uh, and preach and teach. Uh, but I'd like to just uh, start off our study with a word of prayer. So let us pray together. Lord, I just thank you for the time that uh, we can study Psalm 119. And uh, Lord, as we focus on your word, I pray, God, that you would give us understanding. I pray that you would just help us to really grasp and comprehend this uh, passage of Scripture. And Lord, I pray that you would challenge us as we uh, approach your word. Lord, I pray that you would just help us to uh, look to you as we come to your word each and every day, as we come to it each and every Sunday, uh, to hear it preached and taught. Uh, and Lord, I pray that you would give us understanding this evening uh, from your word. And in your name I pray. Amen. So as we come to Psalm 119 this evening and our section in it, I'd like you to think about a time in your life when you had a task or you had something that you um, were supposed to do, a responsibility maybe at work, and um, as you approached this tax, task, someone came to you and they offered their help. Okay, and you thinking you can handle it, you thinking you um, would be able to accomplish it yourself, Turn down their uh, help and you approach this task. And as you started working on it, as you tried to fulfill this responsibility, you either failed or, or gave up because you couldn't uh, fulfill it yourself. And if you think about your life, oftentimes we, we think we can handle things on our own. We don't want to depend on other people. We don't want to rely on others for help. Often we need that help. Often we need to depend on other people. Um, and either it's because of our pride or, or maybe you're the type of person that you don't want to bother other people um, and ask for help, but often we need help. We need to depend. We need to rely on others when it comes to getting things done in our lives, accomplishing tasks, fulfilling responsibilities that we have. We can't do these things on our own. And tonight I want us to think in particular when it comes to our spiritual lives. Okay, think about when it comes to our salvation. All right, I think we'd all agree that we need to depend only and solely on God for our salvation. We rely upon him and the work he has done for us to save us. And we're going to see tonight that the same goes for after we're saved. So we depend on God for our salvation. But we see tonight in our section of Psalm 119 that we also need to depend on God after we're saved. When it comes to seeking to live for him, obeying him, ultimately obeying the word of God. And that's um, what our text of Psalm 119 addresses this evening. So I want to start with just a question as we approach this study. And my question is this, how often do you approach following the Bible with an attitude of dependence? How often do you approach following the Bible with an attitude of dependence? And I'd like to actually begin by reading through our section of Psalm 119. So if you'd turn with me there, our section is Psalm 119, verses 33 through 40. So if you'd open up your Bibles with me, um, we're going to read through it all at one shot. And then I'd invite you to keep open your Bible as I'll be referring to uh, each of these verses. And it would help, be helpful for you to, to see it right in front of you. So Psalm 119, 
verses 33 through 40 is our text for this evening. Psalm 119, verse 33 is where we'll begin reading from. It says, Teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes, and I will keep it to the end. Give me understanding that I may keep your law and observe it with my whole heart. Lead me in the path of your commandments, for I delight in it. Incline my heart to your testimonies and not to selfish gain. Turn my eyes from looking at worthless things and give me life in your ways. Confirm to your servant your promise that you may be feared. Turn away the reproach that I dread, for your rules are good. Behold, I long for your precepts in your righteousness. Give me life. So tonight we come to a section where each verse actually begins with a request. Okay, maybe you, maybe you noticed this as we were reading through this passage, but if you look at it, each of these verses actually begin with a request. So the psalmist shows a dependence. He shows a reliance upon God as he comes to the Word of God. And, and in one sense, this isn't unique, okay? Espe- uh, specifically to Psalm 119. We've actually already seen, as we've gone through Psalm 119, we've seen the psalmist relying, depending on God when it comes to his Word. If you just look with me at Psalm 119, just look at a few verses with me. Verse 8, Psalm 119, verse 8. If you just maybe have to flip a page there. Verse 8, we see this spirit of reliance. It says, I will keep your statutes. Do not utterly forsake me. So he doesn't want God to leave him. He's relying on God when it comes to keeping his statutes. Look at verse 10. It says, Psalm 119.10 says, With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. So he prays that God would, would help him not to wander from his word. Look at verse 12. We see the spirit of dependence in verse 12 of Psalm 119. It says, Blessed are you, O Lord. Then we get the request, Teach me your statutes. Verses 17 through 19 says, Deal bountifully with your servant that I may live and keep your word. Open my eyes, that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. Verse 19, I am a sojourner on the earth. And here's the request, hide not your commandments from me. And then lastly, verses 25 through 27, we see this dependence. We see this reliance. He says, my soul clings to the dust. Give me life according to your word. When I told him my ways, you answered me. Teach me your statutes. Make me understand the way of your precepts. So in one sense, this dependence that I'm talking about in our section isn't something new. It's not something unique. But at the same time, it is unique because we see the spirit of dependence all throughout our section. In every single line, in every single verse, we see this theme, we see this main point running all throughout the psalm. And if you just scan through our psalm, Starting at verse 33, we see these requests. Verse 33 says, teach me. Verse 34, give me understanding. Verse 35 says, lead me. Verse 36 says, incline my heart. Verse 37 says, turn my eyes. 38 says, confirm. 39 says, turn away the reproach. And then lastly, verse 40, we get the request, behold. So in each and every verse, At the very beginning, we see a request. So we see these requests. We see this, I'll call it tonight, a spirit of dependence. 
a continual reliance upon God when it comes to his word runs through this section of Psalm 119. And I've mentioned this as we've been studying, um, or as I've been studying Psalm 119, as I'm finding this as I study that each of the sections of Psalm 119, they have a, they have a theme. They have something that connects these verses together. And tonight we find it's this spirit or this attitude or mindset of dependence upon God to know and to keep his word. So that's going to be our theme for this evening. The theme of Psalm 119, verses 33 through 40 is, the psalmist shows a spirit of dependence on God when it comes to his word. Again, our theme is, the psalmist shows a spirit of dependence on God when it comes to his word. So we'll be looking at each of these verses, eight verses this evening, seeing this spirit of dependence throughout as the psalmist approaches the word of God. So we get the first request. The first request is found in verse 33, and we see the psalmist asks God to instruct him in his word. If you look with me again at Psalm 119, verse 33, it says, Teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes, and I will keep it to the end. So the psalmist begins his list of requests, I'd say, at a natural place. In wanting to be taught, he wants to... be instructed in the Word of God, he, he simply wants to know it, okay? If he doesn't know it, there's not a whole much he can do with the Word of God. So it's a natural place he starts. But the psalmist is someone who we can tell from the other sections, he already knows the Word of God. He's someone who already knows the Word of God. He knows at least portions of it, but we see he has a desire to continually learn. He has a desire to grow in what he knows concerning the Word of God. He wants to be reminded of things he already has been taught. He's placing himself as a lifelong learner. He's a student under God being taught about his word. Think for a moment about what he specifically wants to be taught. If you look again at verse 33, it says, Teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes. So let's think for a moment about what he specifically wants to be taught. Okay, two things I want to mention here about what the psalmist specifically wants to be taught. First, I want you to, I want to zero in on just the phrase, your statutes. Okay? He says, your statutes. In verse 34, if you look ahead, he says, your law. In verse 35, he says, your commandments. The psalmist wants to be taught God's word. Okay, in, in one sense, this is going to be a simple point, but I think it's a good point to, to be reminded of as we look at Psalm 119, as we think about God's Word. Okay, and this is nothing new in Psalm 119. As the first night I began preaching through, I said the theme of Psalm 119 is God's Word. And this word, your, okay, referring to God, your Word, your statutes, your precepts, has been repeated over and over and over again in Psalm 119, you could just scan over this chapter and see this word, your, continually mentioned. Okay? But I mention it here because as I studied this week, it, it, it struck, me, struck me at least in a different way that it's really good to be reminded of this. As we come to Psalm 119, as I said, it's simple, yet it's so important that this is the word of God we're talking about here. And this is the focus of this psalm. God's very words. God's written word. And it's amazing to think we have God speaking to us in his word. 
And that is what Psalm 119 is talking all about. The psalmist doesn't just want to hear or to learn lessons or principles from another human being. He doesn't want to hear maybe wise sayings from wise men or wise women, but he wants to learn God's Word. He wants to know. He wants to be taught, as verse 33 says, God's Word. And as I said, we do well to be reminded of this, as it can be an easy phrase, God's Word, to lose its significance to us. Okay, we hear the phrase God's Word, your Word, all the time in Christian circles. We hear the word Bible repeated over and over and over again. And it's really easy to lose the value of that saying, to really think this is God's Word we're talking about. So application, we should be challenged to remember we have God's very words right in front of us. When we read the Bible morning by morning, remember, this is God speaking to you, not just in any ordinary human words. When you sit under the preaching of the Word, this is God speaking to you, not just a guy giving his thoughts up front. If they're declaring the Word of God, this is God speaking to you, and we should pray that we would not become apathetic to our Bibles or the preaching of the Word. We should pray that we would remember daily and weekly that this is the Word of God that is being read and spoken and preached. As I said, it can be easy to forget. It can be easy to diminish the value of the reality of God actually speaking to us. We must be reminded often of this. And Psalm 119 does exactly that. As I said, it says, Your Word, Your precepts. It is continually talking about the Word of God. So this first comment I want to make as we think about what specifically the psalmist wants to be taught, not just lessons or principles in a general, but he wants to be taught the very Word of God. He said, I want to make two comments on this phrase or, or what he wants to be taught. And the second one is concerning this phrase, the way. Okay, the way of your statutes. If you look again at verse 33, it says, Teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes. And we'll get into this actually in our second line of verse 33, but for now, let me point out that the psalmist wants to know the way, meaning he wants to know what it looks like to follow the Word of God, what it looks like to live out the Word of God, showing that he, does, he doesn't just want to be taught God's Word so that he just knows more of it in his mind. He doesn't just want head knowledge, but he wants to know it so he can do it. We see this as we look at the second line of verse 33, if you look with me there. Psalm 119, verse 33 says, Teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes. And then we come to the line and it says this, And I will keep it to the end. And I will keep it to the end. The psalmist wants to be taught so that he can keep the word of God. This has been a repeated theme through Psalm 119 so far, and something we'll, we'll actually see as we move, move on through this section. So I'll wait to make some application till then. But for now, look at what the psalmist says specifically about keeping and doing the Word of God. He says, And I will keep it to the end. To the end of what? Okay, I will keep it to the end. To the end of what? His life. The end of his life. The psalmist's desire is not to just do the Word of God for a period of time while he's in a certain situation. Maybe kids, teens, you may be tempted to just obey God's Word 
while you're living under your parents' roof, and then when you move out, you can do whatever you want. You don't need to obey God's word. That's certainly not the case with the psalmist here. Neither does he just speak of obeying God's word and living faithfully just for a moment. Okay, he's convicted, and eventually he just goes back to his old ways of living. We see here rather that he is determined to obey it to the end. To obey it all his life till the day he dies. And when I came to this, this line, this line specifically jumped out at me and I, I thought, what a perspective the psalmist has. Not just thinking about the moment. Often we get stuck just in the moment, thinking about the present, what's going on. But we see he's not just thinking about the moment, but he sets a goal and looks into the future and says, I want to keep the word of God, but not just now, but I want to continue, it to, continue to obey the word of God my whole life. He wants to live by it till the end. And, and when you think about that, what an example of commitment, faithfulness, endurance, perseverance the psalmist presents for us as he says, I will keep it to the end. So application, my question is, what if we made that our goal? Okay, what if this line would be our goal to keep the word of God to the end? Kids, what if you at the age of 10 or teens at the age of 18 or those who are 30 or 40 or 50 or even 80, you made it your goal that if you're going to do anything the rest of your life, you're going to strive to obey the word of God. Okay, certainly this doesn't mean perfection, but it means this should be the heartbeat of your life continually learning God's Word, setting it before you, sitting under it, evaluating your life and thinking about what does not match God's Word and seeking to change it, seeking to put into practice what you read, what you hear, what you're taught about the Word of God. Kids and teens, I'll dress you again. Let me give a word to you concerning this phrase and I will keep it to the end. Okay, this starting out under God's Word, obeying it, seeking to follow it, Keeping it at your age is great. But there are many who, when they get older, when they go off to college, when they move out, maybe when they start their own families, they no longer keep God's word. But they do what they want to do. Kids and teens, my challenge to you is keep it to the end. Keep it. Keep obeying it through college as you start your own family. Make it your number one goal in life to live by the word of God every single day of your life. Make it your goal that when, or if you live to 70, if you live to 80, if you live to 100, you have continued to follow the word of God in your life. And you might wonder why. You might want, wonder, what's the difference if I don't obey the word of God? I'll tell you, you'd much rather the life that has followed God's word at the end than a life that is not. Okay, in our Bibles, and I'll just mention this quick example. In our Bibles, there's a king named Asa. Okay, and his story is found in 2 Kings and 2 Chronicles, if you'd like to read it. 2 Chronicles sticks out in my mind as it tells us in full that Asa, he began his life, he began his reign following God's word. He trusted in God. He relied on God. And we see that later in Asa's life, we see he does not keep the word of God to the end. We see he stops trusting God. When it comes to a battle, he trusts in humans or other kingdoms instead of God. When he gets sick, he trusts in human doctors rather than God. Asa stops keeping God's word. 
He didn't keep it to the end. And things did not end well for him. So as we move off of verse 33, let's look to the Lord to be taught his word so that we can obey it to the end of our lives. What a challenge from the psalmist and the word of God. May we say with Paul, as he does in 2 Timothy 4, 6-7, as we think about the end, Paul says this, he says, For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. That's what the psalmist is talking about here in verse 33. I will keep it to the end. I will obey the word of God my whole life. That's the first request. The second request, we see the psalmist asks God to help him comprehend his word. If you look with me at Psalm 119, verse 34. Verse 34 says, Give me understanding that I may keep your law and observe it with my whole heart. So here we see the connection between the verses. These are not just separate, separate requests, but they actually form a progression, as we're going to see. The psalmist has just asked to be taught. Now he actually asks to, to understand what he's been taught. He asks to comprehend, to grasp the things that he's been instructed in. Okay, you can sit under teaching, you can listen with all your might, but if you don't understand, there's, there's no point. Okay, if you sit here and you listen to this message... You're being taught things, you're listening to things, but if you don't understand them, if I'm not making them clear, or your mind just isn't grasping them, okay, there's no purpose. You can't do anything with, with knowledge you don't understand. And we see here the psalmist is asking for exactly that. He wants to understand the Word of God. He wants to understand the things that he's being taught. So I think we can all agree it's one thing to read God's Word, and it's another thing to understand God's Word. Sometimes when you study... It can take hours mulling over a text till you finally feel that you have a good understanding of that text. I know that's the case for me often when I, when I prepare a lesson or a sermon. It takes me hours sometimes to just grasp what the Word of God is teaching. And ultimately, that understanding comes from God. So this shows our natural human weakness, this verse does. It takes humility. It's easy to immediately try and figure out something on our own, to understand what the Word of God is saying on our own, but we should rather pray. The psalmist is an example of that we should rather pray to him, asking for his help to understand the Word's true meaning. So application, do you pray for understanding? When it comes to reading your Bible, do you pray what the psalmist has already said in Psalm 119, verse 18, Open my eyes that I may see wonderful things in your law. Or as our verse says right here, verse 34, give me understanding. When it comes to preparing for the sermons or the lessons that you'll hear on a Sunday, do you pray on Saturday night and say, God, help me understand these messages that I'm going to go and listen to tomorrow? When it comes to studying the Bible, do you pray and ask God to help you comprehend what you are studying? Do you come at God's word with this spirit of dependence to grasp what his word says? Okay, it's so easy to skip this. I know sometimes as I prepare for messages, maybe it's only later in the week or midweek that I realize I haven't prayed. I haven't asked God to give me an understanding. And usually I, I realize this when I'm dealing with a specific um, hardship in the text that I just can't understand. But it's something... We need to start with. We need to start by asking for this understanding. 
I want you to notice why the psalmist wants to understand. Okay, and we see this in the verse. Notice why the psalmist wants to understand. It isn't just that he would hold great wisdom or be one of the people that people will come to with questions. It isn't even because he wants to be able to teach others. But instead, his desire and purpose is what we have already seen in the previous verse. He wants to grasp the word of God so that he can do it. Look with me at verse 34. It says, give me understanding, and then here's the purpose, that I may keep your law and observe it. Give me understanding, because I want to obey your word. So application, is is that your desire when you study a passage of scripture for yourself, or maybe if you're preparing for a Sunday school lesson, or for the men on Wednesday nights, is this your desire? Is that your desire to understand so that you can ultimately obey it for yourself first? Is this your desire when it comes to listening to a sermon, to walk away living it out in the weeks, the months, the years to come? Our desire to be taught the Word of God and understand the Word of God should be first and foremost to keep the Word of God. We see that's not all verse 34 says. Look at how the psalmist says he will keep God's Word. In verse 33, he says he will keep it to the end. Now he says he will keep it with a whole heart. Okay, as he says, give me understanding that I may keep your law and observe it with my whole heart. We've come across this phrase and language in Psalm 119 already. And we see that the psalmist is saying that he's not doing this just because he's obligated to or forced to. But he wants to genuinely, sincerely It comes from his heart. It comes from who he really is to want to obey the word of God. So application, ask yourself, am I keeping the word of God with my heart? Is this your desire? Do you actually want to? Do you see the value in it? Maybe do you have guilt when you don't? Or the opposite, do you just obey the word of God so you can impress? You do it so you can impress your parents. You can do it so you impress people here at church, other people. Do you pretend to just obey the word of God to get you further in life? Or even is it just because you know it's the right thing to do? You don't necessarily want to, but you know it's the right thing to do, so you just do it. Or do you genuinely want to from the heart? If you related more with the latter questions, make it your prayer that God would change your heart, that he would give you this desire, this want. We move to the third request found in verse 35, and we see the psalmist asks God to guide him in following his word. If you look with me at verse 35, it says, Lead me in in the path of your commandments, for I delight in it. So the psalmist has now asked to be taught God's word so that he can keep it. He then asks to be able to understand God's word so that he can keep it. And now we find the psalmist brings his spirit of dependence to actually keeping the word of God. So he wants to be taught it, to understand it, and he wants to keep it. And he brings this spirit of dependence here to the obeying of God's word. So the psalmist acknowledges he needs help in knowing God's word in verse 33. Then he acknowledges he needs help in actually comprehending God's word in verse 34. And now in verse 35, he acknowledges he needs help in actually doing 
what he knows and what he understands. So we see kind of this progression, this building on top of each other in verse 33, 40, 34, and 35. So this shows that we can know and understand the Word of God and yet fail to actually do anything with that knowledge and understanding. We need the help God brings, giving us the ability to obey the Word of God. The psalmist says, if you look back at 30, verse 35, he says, lead me in the path of your commandments. Lead me, meaning cause me to tread down the path that is following your word. The psalmist is literally asking for the ability to keep God's word, showing without God it would be impossible to obey him. How much more should this cause us to depend on him and rely on God? For the obedience. Okay, and this brings us to the climax of the purpose for knowing and understanding God's word, and that is obedience. And as I said, this has been something that has already been made abundantly clear in Psalm 119 that the purpose of knowing, the purpose of understanding, isn't just so we have stuff up in our heads, so that we have Bible knowledge, but it's so that we actually do it. We obey it. That is the purpose. So, application the simple question I'll ask us from this verse. Is that your purpose? Is your first and foremost purpose that you can obey the Word of God? When you read God's Word, do you walk away obeying God's Word? When you study God's Word, do you walk away obeying God's Word? When you walk away from a Sunday morning service, after hearing 30 minutes to an hour of God's Word preached, do you walk away obeying God's Word? That is the purpose, and if we're missing that, we're missing the point. And here in verse 35, we should also be particularly challenged to pray to God for the help to obey. As we finish our Bible reading, or studying the Bible, or as we drive home on a Sunday, morning or evening, we should pray, God, help me live out these truths. God, help me practice the things that I hear preached. God, give me the ability to follow your word. And we see this as an all that verse 35 says. Look again at verse 35. It says, lead me in the path of your commandments. And then it says, for I delight in it. For I delight in it. Okay, so related to the comment at the end of verse 34, as he said, with a whole heart. Now he says, I delight in it. So he tells us that he does this because he delights in the word of God. So we see that obeying the word of God isn't a burden to him. But it's something he wants to do. He doesn't feel tied down or trapped or feeling forced. But he has a natural pull towards obeying God's word. And my question is, can we say the same? We delight in obeying the word of God. We'll take the fourth and the fifth request together because though they don't say the same thing, there's a similarity between them. Okay, they say similar things. So we'll take the fourth and the fifth request together and, and they boil down to this request that the psalmist asks God to turn his heart towards his word and keep him from sin. If you look with me at verses 36 through 37, we see this. Verse 36 says, Incline my heart to your testimonies and not to selfish gain. Turn my eyes from looking at worthless things and give me life in your ways. So here the psalmist asks to be kept from sinful things. In verse 36, it's selfish gain, which can be coveting, or which can mean that he 
coveting or getting something by dishonest means. And then in verse 37, he uses that phrase, worthless things, which speak of empty, vain, evil things. So these things are sinful things. He's talking about sins that he would be tempted to do, sins that he struggles with. Okay, we got a broad range that this, of sins that could apply to this, but ultimately these sinful things stand as opposites to the Word of God. It is living in a way that our focus isn't on God and His Word. It's living in a way that is sinful. The psalmist asks two things pertaining to God's Word in these verses. The first is in verse 36, if you look again there. It's that first line. It says, Incline my heart to your testimonies. Incline my heart to your testimonies. Maybe not a super understandable um, word incline or phrase incline my heart, but, but simply it speaks of turning or stretching or, or extending our hearts toward the Word of God. Our hearts naturally go towards, you sure you agree with me, our hearts naturally go towards sinful things, okay? things that are not honoring and pleasing to God. So this verse, this prayer is seeking to counter this, that our hearts would go towards the Word of God. The psalmist then asks at the end of verse 37, if you look there, he says at the, the very last line of verse 37, give me life in your ways. So rather than living in a way that focuses and lives in things that amount to nothing or sinful things, he wants to live his life following God's word. And again, as we saw in verse 35, the psalmist is asking for the ability to obey. And added on to this, we see in verse 36 that he's praying that his heart would not be captivated. That his heart wouldn't be consumed or, or go towards sinful things, but instead that it would be captivated, that it would go towards and want the Word of God. Another thing we see here with these two verses together is that the psalmist openly admits that it is not natural to obey the Word of God, that there is a pull in the opposite direction, that it's not easy. Though he's obviously wanting to follow it, though he has made known his delight in the Word of God, he confesses and he recognizes that it doesn't come naturally. The psalmist admits that though he has a relationship with God, he's tempted to follow, not to follow God. Okay, there's a tension in this section. Okay, if you think about what he's already said, he says, I want to be taught, I want to know, I want to understand, I want to do the Word of God, but now he says... He speaks of these things that he struggles with, these things that are contrary to the Word of God. So though he wants the Word of God, though he desires the Word of God, he delights in it, he struggles. At the same time, he wants to do other things as well. So a tension is brought up here by the psalmist. He wants to follow God's Word, and yet he doesn't want to at times. The New Bible Commentary, I believe, is kind of what have alerted me to this, this tension, and even it's given me this phrase that I've been using, the spirit of dependence. The commentary explains this this way. It says, but the threat to running in the Lord's way, okay, we're obeying the Word of God in this section, is not here a hostile environment, as we saw a few sections ago, or the difficulties of life, as the last section talks about, but the threat to running in the Lord's way is the wayward heart which wants to obey. 
but so easily is drawn away to selfish ends, as verse 36 says, and follow the enticement of the eyes, as verse 37 says. There is thus a tension in the heart itself. Heart loyalty threatened by heart disloyalty. The solution is prayer. Only the Lord can keep the way obedient. And I like how it says that. Okay, If we think about Psalm 119 as a whole, the previous section, okay, I actually... We looked at that as I filled in for a Sunday school lesson, talked about suffering. Okay, it talked about suffering in general that the psalmist was dealing with. So that was, um, in one sense, stood uh, in his way to follow the word of God. And in the previous section, it talks about actually suffering um, that we deal with in our relationships. That stands in the way, or, or could be a, um, sta- it could stand in the way um, of us following the word of God. And here we see that it's actually our own sinful desires. Okay, and this may sound familiar to a New Testament passage. At least that's where my mind jumped early in my study. Romans 7, Paul actually kind of gives his own testimony and talks about his struggle with sin. And we kind of see he's talking about the same types of things as the psalmist is dealing with here. Attention. He wants to obey the word of God on one hand, and at the same time, he's tempted. He wants to do things that go against the Word of God. In the book of Romans, and you don't have to turn there, I'll just read a couple of verses. In chapter 7, in the, the larger passages, verses 15 through 25, Paul talks about this tension. I'll start at verses, I'll start at verse 15. It says, For I do not understand my own actions, for I do not want, do, for I do not do what I want but I do the very thing I hate. Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law. That is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. Now skip down to verse 22. He says, For I delight in the law of God. Sounds familiar to our section. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being, But I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. So we see this tension that that Paul wants to obey the word of God, but at the very same time, he's tempted to sin. He does things um, that he ultimately does not want to do. So application, we too should acknowledge that we are sinners, that we are tempted to sin, that there is a pull in our hearts towards sinful actions. Okay, we should acknowledge this. We should confess it when we do these things. Okay, there are things that would please us, that if we do them, would go completely against the word of God. We should acknowledge this but not give in to it, not excuse it. We should do what the psalmist does and rely on God. Without him, we cannot overcome our sins and those things that tempt us. We should pray that God would give us a desire for his word over those things that tempt us. We should pray that God would keep us from those things that we are very much tempted to do and instead live our lives after his ways. So I might ask us, First, do you have this desire for the Word of God, this desire that we see the psalmist has? has. If not, that's the first prayer that you need to pray. 
that God would give you a desire to obey his word over sin. But then second, I'll ask, do you even pray when it comes to being tempted to sin? Okay, when you're dealing with a specific sin in your life and you know what they are, do you pray through that struggle, through trying to resist? Do you pray for God's help? Do you have this spirit of dependence? God, help me not to sin in this way. Help me to resist. Help me to fight that temptation. Okay, that is exactly what the psalmist is doing here. The reality is we cannot fight sin on our own. We cannot follow God's word over sinful things on our own. But we need the ability, we need the strength, we need the help that only God provides. And that's what we see here in Psalm 119. We need a spirit of dependence when it comes to this tension between following God's word and not following God's word. We come to the sixth request. In verse 38, we see the psalmist asks God to carry out his word. Psalm 119, verse 38, if you look with me there, it says, Confirm to your servant your promise that you may be feared. So the psalmist is asking God, confirm your word. Simply bring about what you say will happen. The purpose is ultimately to strengthen his relationship with God. As you see in the second line of verse 38, it says that you may be feared. He wants a greater all. He wants a greater relationship with God. So he's asking him to fulfill his word, to establish his word. And even with the context of this psalm, quite possibly the psalmist is asking this because he's being tempted to doubt. To doubt when trials come or when a tough situation arises. And he's, he's doubting that God will come through. And he's ultimately asking God to strengthen his faith. So we see here in verse 30, 38 a spirit of dependence in that he asks God to establish his word so that he might have a greater relationship with God, so that he might stand in awe of him. That's the sixth request. We move on to the seventh request in verse 39, and we see the psalmist asks to keep him, asks God to keep him from sin. If you look at verse 39, it says, Turn away the reproach that I dread, for your rules are good. So the psalmist revisits this tension mentioned in verses 36 through 37. And at verse 38 does, does speak of a possible doubt or unbelief. We see that the psalmist has now mentioned threats to his obedience to God's word. Now in four verses, as we find in verse 39, that God, he asks that God would not allow him to fall into sin and experience disgrace. Okay, that's what the word reproach is talking about, a shame, a disgrace because of his sin, the consequences from his sin. The phrase turn away, as verse 39 says, turn away the reproach that I dread. This phrase turn away we already saw in verse 37 when it said turn my eyes away from. And the, the, this word or this phrase presents the picture of actually passing over a river. Okay, passing over something. So he's asking when he says, turn away the reproach that I dread, he's asking God to cause him to pass over the reproach or the disgrace or the shame because of his sin that he fears. He doesn't want to experience that. He doesn't want to sin. He doesn't want to have this disgrace. And this fits in with the context of verses 36 and 37, which talked about temptations he experienced to sin. And here I said we see this tension again because if you look at the second line, he says, for your rules are good. Okay, he mentions this sin that he's tempted to 
to do. And then he says, for your rules are good. So the psalmist is openly admitting the possibility of sinning in the first line, but then he mentions how he views God's word as something good, as something that he, that should be kept. That's something that ultimately he wants to keep because they are good. So application is your constant prayer to God, keep me from sinning. Keep me from disobeying your word. Or I might ask you, does it matter to you? Or maybe is it just not on your mind? You aren't paying careful enough attention. And we see here from the psalmist that we should be praying that God would keep us from sin. This should be something that we pray for daily, often being fully aware of how we are drawn to sin. We should also pray that God would help us view his word like the psalmist, as something good, as something that should be kept, as something beneficial for our lives. We come to the eighth request. The eighth and last request, we see the psalmist asks God to recognize his desire for his word. As it says in Psalm 119, 40, Behold, I long for your precepts, and your righteousness give me life. So the psalmist is pointing or begins by pointing out to God his desire for his word. He literally says, see, I long for your precepts. Okay, there's a lot of things that we long for or that we desire, but I might ask you, is God's word one of them? You might long for something that you really want to buy, but you just don't have enough money right now. You might long for a relationship. You might long for a boyfriend or a girlfriend or to be married someday. You might long to do something, but would you say you long for the Bible in the same way? Do you desire to know it, to obey it with the same type of desire? Often when we desire or long for something, we can't get our minds off it. We can't do anything else till we get that one thing. Is it that way with God's Word? The psalmist has made it abundantly clear. If you just look over the verses, okay, he says, see, he says, behold, I long for your precepts. He longs for his word. If you just look over the verses in this section, we see this longing. We see this desire, this want for the word of God made very clear. And then we see that he ends, the psalmist asks that he might live a life of righteousness. Again, asking that God would give him the ability to keep his word. He ends yet again with obedience. He wants to obey the word of God with his life. So we come to the end of these eight verses. A spirit of dependence can be seen all throughout these verses. And the question I want to leave us with is, do you depend on God when you approach his word? Do you depend on God when you approach his word? We're all sitting here tonight, so in, in one sense we all approach God's word. If it's just listening to the word preached, or if it's reading the Bible each and every day, if it's studying it, for teaching opportunities you have. But the question I want us to think about is when you seek to know, when you seek to understand, when you seek to obey the word of God, do you depend on God? Do you rely on him for the strength, the ability that only he can give? The natural temptation, as we talked about, is to do it on your own, as it is with other tasks. You don't want help. You don't want to depend on other people. But the challenge here is not to rely on your own strength and abilities when it comes to the word of God. But do you look to him, pray to him for help as you come to the word of God. So may Psalm 119, 33 through 40 challenge us to depend on God when we come to his word. Let us just close in a word of prayer.
God, I just thank you for the opportunity that we have to open up your word tonight. That it, this is your very word. You're speaking through your word this evening. And Lord, I just pray that you would just give us this dependence, this reliance upon your word. Be easy to, to read it, to listen to it, and just think that we can understand it on our own or that we can walk away and obey it. But we're taught here that we need to come to your word with a spirit of dependence. And Lord, I pray that you would give us that this evening, that you would give us just this dependence, reliance, even as we uh, seek not to do things that are against your word. God, I just pray that you'd help us to walk away being willing to ask for help, helping us to pray each and every day as we read it, as we seek to listen to it on Sundays as it's preached. God, I pray that you would give us this spirit of dependence to ultimately know, to understand, to obey your word. God, we just thank you for this time that we can gather and even just pray that you'd be with our conversation after this service. I pray that it would be honoring and glorifying to you. And in your name I pray, amen. Thank you for coming out this evening and you are dismissed.